Father, we thank you again for today, Lord, and just what you have in store for us. Lord, we thank you for your word. We declare, Father, your word is like a sword in our hands, Lord. Lord, the sword of your spirit, what you are saying in our lives, Father. We thank you for its work, Father. We thank you for um, our ability, Father, to walk strongly with it, Father God. Your word in our mouths and in our hearts today, Lord God. Let us today have a fresh revelation of the power, Father, of your word and your spirit in our lives today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Well, um, some of you remember and uh, would know that we, we have just finished a series on our living and loving God, and we talked about um, and you would benefit if you missed out on some of that. Uh, you would benefit from listening in uh, to that series on the church website uh, if you missed it, pondering some of the concepts of God's love to us. And of course, most importantly, through us, because uh, God's love doesn't stop with us. God's love is intended to flow through us into the lives of others and, uh, and have an impact as well. And uh, he wants us to love like he loves. And we've really went over that nailed it down, brought it up, brought it up again, thought about it, brought it up again. So it should be really clear in our hearts. You know, it's that kingdom level of love as well, that unconditional love that uh, we should be aware of, that type that's talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, and, and, uh, and of course, you know, you, you, uh, you should, you should uh, uh, print that off. And uh, I remember uh, early days in our when we were just married, Rosemary and I, when that was what we did. If we found a good scripture, that got written down and stuck on a wall somewhere in the house that we were living. You know, and on the bathroom, there'd be scriptures there that you could, you know, every time you went into the bathroom, there was a scripture there that you just renew your mind to that scripture, the love chapter. And uh, we'd wear it out. Rose would throw it in a car and there'd be scriptures and things floating around the car get in her car and there were scriptures everywhere and bibles old bibles that have been worn out and uh and i tell you it makes a difference when we give ourselves to that level of um you know uh his word and of course um you know it's that unconditional sacrificial love that we've been talking about and god loves it when we choose to be like him amen but today we're moving on and uh just a little what i would call a series breaker today and uh and i want to start with ephesians uh, chapter 5 and uh, verse 1 and uh, it says there therefore uh, be imitators of god as dear children and walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. And of course, this verse of Scripture highlights not just that he would have us walk in love like Jesus loved us unconditionally and sacrificially, but it tells us that God the Father wants us to be like him. He wants us to imitate him in that quality of love. And uh, we will never be divine in nature, but we are eternal. And the new life in Christ that he calls us to is a spiritual life. Just think about that. It's a spiritual life that we've been called to. And, uh, and it's based on spiritual truths. And, you know, you, you can watch some new believers trying to work the things of our, you know, God out with their natural thinking, and they struggle trying to figure it all out. With their, you know, with their cerebral processes, um, but there are 
uh, I should say they are, at great disadvantage because spiritual truths are not understood all the time anyway with natural understanding. And I, I like the verse uh, which helps us with that. It's 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 13 and it says this, and this is what we speak not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. And it says in verse 14, the natural man does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. There's some truths that you just discern by the Spirit. It's not like, you know, I don't know how, what, what the alternative is, that you worked it out in your mind, but it was actually God showed it to you by the Spirit. And I love that lifestyle. You know, I think we're all called to live that lifestyle where it, we're going on revelation, in other words, what the Lord has shown us. You know, the, the kingdom level of love is a spiritual truth. And when we choose to live by it, that level of love becomes an entirely different perspective that we should have toward those around us. All right? It's not that I'm just choosing to walk in love towards someone. It becomes an entirely different perspective. And what is, and what is so very helpful in walking in love towards others is the gifts of the Spirit. And I know some of you who have ever moved in the gifts of the Spirit will know what I'm talking about. Because the gifts of the Spirit will allow us to see what God is saying. That's what the gifts of the Spirit do. They allow us to, to do and feel and see what God is doing. And it's seeing something about someone's past or future. And it helps us to connect with God's love. And, and, and the gift is always given for the purpose of connecting them to the love of God. It connect, You know, like if someone comes up and gives you a word... And it's like it just hits your heart like truth and you know that that's from God. What does it make you do? Want to take that person out for lunch? No, it makes you, it makes you love God more, doesn't it? You know, because you experience God's love again because it's a spiritual truth from the Holy Spirit. And it, again, makes us love God all the more. You know, another vital spiritual truth that we must understand is this. The just shall live by faith. In fact, you know, faith is a spiritual truth by which we access the promises of God. It's one of those key truths. We get a hold of faith as a key, it unlocks so much for us in our Christian walk and life. We cannot just hope and wish for the promises of God to drop down from heaven on us. You know, oh, one day my turn will come. But we need to be proactive. And I'm so glad it was... Uh, uh, in those early days in the church where I grew the most, where the pastor would get up and say, God is good. It was in that church that I started to understand that God was not a respecter of persons. He doesn't care what side of the tracks you were born, up, born in. He's not a respecter of persons. But I tell you what, he's looking for faith. You know, without faith, it's impossible to please him, the Bible tells us. And, you know, he is looking for that response in our lives. The Bible says it three times, the just shall live by faith. I think there's a message there for us. We, we need to be reminded. And I want us today to take the time to recognise, the time that we've got remaining, to recognise that if our faith is weak, we can only blame the person in the mirror. 
All right? <laughs> if our faith is weak, we can only blame the person in the mirror. We're the ones that have to have the responsibility or take the responsibility to get strong in faith. Oh, well, I was just born that way. I don't have much faith. No, no. <laughs> you were born again, you know, by hearing the word and believing it in your heart. That's how you got born again, actually. That's how you got saved. And you were to go on living that way because the Bible says three times the just shall live by faith. In other words, that process of believing in the heart, confessing with the mouth, saying what God says. And we're going to look at that today. Whatever promise of God that we're waiting on God for, faith needs to be strong. And we're going to touch in on these truths. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 11 to 12, it says, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Look what it says in verse 12. That you do not become sluggish, but imitate. Again, that word imitate comes in. Those who, uh, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Who through faith and patience inherit the promises. You say, well, I had faith, you know. And, uh, you know, I, I, love that, I love that word imitate being used there because it's like seeing how it's done and saying, I can do it too. And following through and, and doing it as well. If they can do it, I can do it. And that's what, you know, that scripture that says that God's not a respecter of persons is, is that you can see someone who's made a, a, a lifestyle of living by faith and look at them and say, I could be like that. I can do what they've done. It's true. Obviously, you have to follow your calling as well because, you, you know, you, you can't have their calling. You've got to walk in your own calling. But, you know, the lifestyle of faith will take you into what God has for you. And he only has good things for us. Amen? Amen. He only has good things for us. Here we're being told to imitate those who use their faith and their patience to inherit the promise of God. It says, don't be sluggish. We would say, don't be lazy. I sit back and just, oh well, you know, what we call the Kesara doctrine. Whatever will be, will be. You know, it'll just, whatever happens. Do you like the Kesara doctrine? Never heard of it. It's a Doris Day doctrine too, by the way. You know, whatever it would be. It's like, it's what it is. It's fatalism. It's just whatever. Whatever happens. And, you know, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And some Christians will live their way, that, live their, their Christian lives just that way. And you people say, well, I believed. I had faith. I was patient. I prayed a couple of times too. And even had the pastors pray for me down the front of the church at the altar. I waited for a week and a half and nothing happened. So faith mustn't work. Don't worry, we've heard it all. We've heard those kind of responses. And, you know, you don't have to have spiritual discernment to know that in this case, faith is weak. That's what's going on. There's a weak faith going on. The application of faith is essential. So we inherit the promises. And that application involves releasing your faith in prayer with words. It involves agreeing with what God says, releasing your faith with words. It involves agreeing with him and, uh, and of course, his promises. 
It means, it means also that we stay with it. It means we're not moved away from believing despite what we see, feel or hear. That we're not going to be moved from what God says. Because what God says is going to be the end result. That's the faith that God's looking for. And just like the love walk, the faith walk is a discipline as well. You know. I would like to get a really good faith by coming down the front and getting prayed for on a Sunday. You know, come down the front. Pastor, touch me and make me great. Lay hands on me and get me full of faith. Doesn't, faith doesn't work that way. Faith actually comes by hearing, doesn't it? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Word of God. Amen. And uh, faith is best defined... Faith equals or is confident expectation. Amen. And, um, you know, it's best defined that way. You know, it's a, you know, if you have faith, well, then you're confidently expecting an outcome. You're seeing what, you know, what this should be like, how this should end. And Romans 10, 17 tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The spiritual truth that we need to apply is this. On the road of life, when we come up against a problem or an adversity, uh, an impossible uh, situation, in other words, that we can't do anything about, and Jesus defined that as a mountain that needs to be removed, that's when we go to the Word of God and find the promises in the Word of God and apply our faith to it, our confident expectation to what God has promised, what he has said, and we apply it by our believing. That's what we do. Even better, if the Holy Spirit speaks a word into our heart. Even better. That's faith that comes by hearing as well. Amen. You know, the truth is, is that we can, we, we can hear that word, we can find that word, but what we have to do is we need to apply ourselves to believing it and speaking it. And uh, some of us need to get back to the patient application of faith, just believing and speaking, going back and saying, well, I, I, I prayed yesterday and I thank the Lord for the answer to my prayer, but you know what, I'm going to do the same thing today. And it's not because we're, we've moved over into unbelief, it's because we're expecting an answer. And we're, we're saying, Lord, I believe to receive in Jesus' name, and I thank you for it today. You say, well, why are you praying the same prayer? I'm not, I'm not asking for it again. I believe I receive. I believe I'm receiving what I've already prayed for. And I'm giving the Lord thanks. And, you know, we'll see in a minute that that's something that we, we can do. The spiritual truth of faith is this. For, for it to work in our lives, I must make an application of it. And it has to be in my heart and it has to be in my mouth. Two places. And let's just see Jesus break that down for us. So we see Jesus in his ministry journey here. He's spoken to a fig tree and uh, his words cursed the fig tree. And the next day, the fig tree, as the disciples saw, was already starting to wither up. And so Jesus explains the, the spiritual truth of faith, the, the power to believe and speak the word of God. And, and, and of course, the question, you know, is one that we should answer very, very easily. Is how do we receive the promise of salvation? We believed in our heart, we confessed with our mouth. Amen? That's how we received it. Now look, in Mark 11 and verse 22 to 24, 
we see, so Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. They are stunned by this tree that's already starting to, to wilter and, uh, and shrivel up. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever, who's whoever? Everyone. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and here's the conditions, does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. It's not whatever God says, it's whatever he says. Amen. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. That is good news. That's a great scripture, but one that requires us to be dis um, disciplined in the way that we approach it. That we believe it in our heart and we confess it with our mouth. That we say it and pray it. You know, uh, um, Jesus, you know, there's a few takeaways here. And so Jesus would not have taught on the application of faith here in Mark 11 if it was not a truth we weren't meant to apply or activate in our lives. He wouldn't have taught it. It wouldn't have been in the words in red if Jesus didn't intend for us to live this way, to live by faith. You know, a few translations says, it starts out by saying, have the faith of God. Which is really, you know, it's not having faith in God that he's going to back up my words. It's having the faith of God. Wow. Another says, have faith from God. It's because faith comes by hearing. But when you do, we have to see it's up, up to us to, to make an application of it. Actually, we're going to know what someone is believing by what they say. Isn't that true? You know. Jesus said, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You're going to give away what you're really believing by what you say. Oh, that'll never happen. Well, you just gave it away. You just gave away what you actually believe in your heart with your words. You know, and I found out, and I've said this many times from this pulpit, I found out after I got saved that the biggest problem was right under my nose. It was. It was the things I was saying. And I had lived my life that way, saying stuff, creating things with my very words. And I had to change. I had to stop. I had to learn to shut my mouth and start saying what God said. Start saying his promises. Start praying his promises into my life. And it made such a difference. It turned my life around. Once I get a hold of it, you know, it was like I sat under that teaching for a little while and, and it, until one day the penny, the penny dropped. I remember, it wasn't so much a day, it was more like a season. I remember 19, 1986 started to really drop in. And I started to put, I started to, I started to make applications of faith in my life. First, first thing I wanted to sort out was my life partner, you know. And I knew that what I had to do was put away from me the ways that I'd been living, my old patterns, you know. I mean, Christians have parties, all right? And they, it, certainly back in those days, in the 80s, you know, Christian, oh, there's a Christian party on. You know, and I, I was only newly saved, and I go, yeah, well, they're pretty boring, actually. And, um, and that was how I would approach these Christian parties. But, but what would happen is all the Christian guys would be trying to find who the Christian girls were. And so they could date them and, you know, obviously propose to them and marry them because, you know, Christian men do that. They want to get married, you see. 
And, uh, and of course, what I learned was is that a lot of that, that went on in, that, in those situations was, was, was not even led of the Spirit, was not even something that, you know, God was leading. And, uh, and so you, you were kind of making mistakes and dating the wrong person and all of those things were going on. And I said, Lord, I finally got to the day when I said, Lord, I've had enough of that. And Lord, I, I know that you have the right person for me. I know that she's out there somewhere. And I started to say, Lord, I know you could bring her to me. I, you know, my, my faith was stirring in my heart. And then I, then I prayed. I said, Lord, you know them all. And I know you know the one for me. And I said, Lord, bring her to me. And I said, what I'm going to do is I'm not going to look around. I'm not going to try and find my wife. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm just going to trust you for it. Two and a half weeks later, Rosemary and I were talking on the phone. I, I, I kid you not. Two, it took two and a half weeks and we were on the phone together. Hello. Nice little friendly chats to sort of start with. And, and that's, you know, that's where our romance started. And of course, the Lord had in mind a future for us together. And, uh, and it's been, they've been exciting days of faith and living for him and, and doing his will for our lives. Amen. But you can do that. You, know, you can believe in your heart and you can confess with your mouth. You can release your faith by, by, by words you know, and prayer. So um, what's true of our love walk is true of our faith walk. Our, mouth, our mouth will give us away. And verse 23, and I want us to go there too. And um, verse 23. The impossible situation is made possible by our believing and our speaking. Look what it says in verse 23. I'll just read it out to you from here. So assuredly, uh, uh, answer, verse 23. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. See, what we have to do is we have to continue with that patience. We've already released our faith, but now we, now to move, now we need to move over into patience. And that's where a lot of people struggle. In our heart and in our mouth, we need to have a faith in both areas. A combination of our faith in two places is what is powerful and is the correct application of faith. Verse 23 is saying what God says and not doubting, it will be. Amen. It was saying what God says and not doubting, it will happen. So verse 24, if we go on to verse 24, it says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. You know, thanksgiving is then and becomes that most important thing you do after you have prayed. Amen. That, that most important thing you do. Is that someone's ringtone or is that uh, someone whistling along to my sermon? I'm not sure. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 13 and, and uh, to 14, it says, For when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself saying, Surely blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply you. And so after he patiently endured, he obtained the promise. What did he have to do? He had to patiently endure. You know, that's, that's what we call doing the word. Doing the word. In other words, we've believed, we've spoken, we've promised, and now we're going to patiently endure. And that's not just a waiting game. 
sitting there tapping our fingers or whatever we do when we're feeling impatient. That's actually patiently enduring. And there's a way to go about that. I believe one of the, one of the keys to patient endurance is giving the Lord the glory. I want to read to you from uh, my, one of my favourite uh, pictures of someone who patiently endured, and it's Abraham. And uh, in verse 19, it says, And not being weak in faith. That means that weakness in faith is a thing that we can avoid. It means that it is a thing to avoid, and it's not something that we should never talk about. You know, it's a bit like some of these politically correct things that are going on now have crept into the body of Christ. And you can't say, oh, oh, oh you know, uh, there's a weakness in faith here that needs to be dealt with. You can't say that anymore because people get offended if you say that. Weakness in faith. Not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. So in other words, someone who's not weak in faith does some not considering. You say, well, they're just ignoring the problem. <laughs> you could say that. You know, they're just, they're just, they're in denial. Just like the Egyptian sailor. In denial. You know, <laughs> sorry, I just thought I'd throw that in there. But, um, you know, Abraham, what it was, he got to the point where he wasn't going to be moved by what he could see. That is, he was going to, uh, uh, you know, that's going to help our patient endurance straight away. And it is a discipline, particularly with the thing that, that, that you're believing God for and you've got something denying that, a, a fact. But the truth is, is that we need to be a people that are all about the truth and not about the facts. And that's something sometimes that you can't go into the, 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 work, uh, you know, the workplace lunchroom and tell your friends about because they'll ridicule it out of you. The fact that you're believing for, you know, this or believing for that. They'll ridicule it out of you. It's something that you keep in your heart. You tuck it in your heart and you believe God for the solution. You believe God for the answer to your promise. Abraham had the fact of, of uh, the age of his own body and the history of Sarah's barrenness. He had that, that he had to not consider. But he got to the point where he didn't consider those facts anymore. And that's a good place to get to. I know the facts, but I'm going to consider the truth of God's word above the facts. He didn't deny the facts, just was no longer going to think on those. Considering them in any way that would stop his patient endurance. Come on, some of us need to get back to this. I'm one of them. I want to get back to this, you know. Uh, for healing in my physical body. I want to get back to this where I'm saying what God says rather than what the doctor says, you know. Some of us need to come back to this and say, I need to get back to living this way because I have lived this way before. And just in case we're not sure yet what the application is, watch this next verse as we close today. Romans chapter 4 and verse 20 to 21. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith. And I want to know how, what I should do to get stronger in faith. What is it that I must do? Abraham knew how to do it. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Giving glory to God. How do you give glory to God? In thanksgiving. That's how you give God the glory. You say, before I have the answer... 
before I've even seen the fulfillment, before I have my healing, before that's all happened? Yes. That's exactly when you do it. Because, as we say, thanksgiving is the highest expression of your faith. When you believe you receive something, what are you going to do? Give thanks. You're going to thank the Lord and say, that's mine, I have it, and I thank you, Lord, for it. And you start to speak and talk that way now. Again, you may not want to get with your prayer partner and pray that way just yet. Maybe you should convince your prayer partner that that's how you should pray. You know, that that's the way that we should live. You see, giving glory to God is what thanksgiving is. Coming to church on Sunday and lifting your hands and Lord and just reminding yourself, Lord, I thank you for these things. I thank you for these things that are promised in your word, that, that I'm patiently enduring uh, the circumstances and until I see the answer. I thank you, Lord God, that they're mine. I have them. They're, you know, they're, they're on their way. You see, Abraham was fully convinced that what God had promised he was also able to perform. He believed in the power of God. And we should go away from here today tacking this onto our praying and our saying. We should go from here today uh, saying, I thank you, Lord, that you are able to perform what you have promised. And make that a prayer. Make that an addition to what you say and, and what you pray and how you pray. Make that addition. You're, you're able to perform what you have promised. Let's all stand and pray this morning. I've gone over by a few minutes here today. And so uh, just um, lift, our, lift our, uh, our hearts to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for today, Lord God. We thank you for, Lord God, your word, Lord, the, the truth of your word, Father God, today, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the things that, that um, your word presents to us, the things that our Lord Jesus taught us, Father, concerning truth, concerning the truth of faith and the application of faith, Father. And Lord, today we want to be a people, Father, that just make that little adjustment in our own lives, that little adjustment. To, for some, it's, it's about going back to what we've done in the past. For others, it's about stepping into something new. Lord God, we ask that you show us what it is that we should do today. And Father, we thank you that as we, that as we learn to, to live by faith, we learn to live by faith in our hearts and, Lord, your word in our mouths. Lord, as we learn to live that way and, and walk out this way, Father, we'll see, Father, that you are able to perform the very words that you have promised and, and see them fruitful in our lives, Lord. See answered prayer. And Father, we thank you that as we, as we live that life, Father, answered prayer in our lives, oh God, is just such an encouragement, both to those around us, other believers, and also, Father, for, for those that, Father God, um, uh, we reach, that, that, that Father, uh, need to hear this hope, Father, that we can pray and have your presence. Father, we thank you for these things today, and we ask in Jesus' name that, Father God, you help us to walk it out, to make an application of our faith in all the affairs of life. And Lord, we give you thanks and praise today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah.